So uh, yeah, the, the title is, I'm sorry, Matthew, I know it pains you to hear this, but Chelsea's not going to win the Premier League this season. Welcome everyone to the Gronica Show, the show about all things soccer and hockey. I'm your host, Matthew. Coming on today's episode, sportscaster James Sharman joins the show to talk about the Premier League, recap and share his reaction to the first legs of the Champions League, and play a little game to close things off. The starting line for today's show, what happened to Chelsea? Lukaku's game. Will Liverpool win the Premier League? Arsenal's push for top four. A recap of the first leg of the Champions League round of 16, followed by the probability game. James Sharman, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Matthew. Happy to be on. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot's changed, I think, since last time we spoke, and everything's heating up, so to speak, uh, both domestically yeah. and internationally. So let's not waste any time. Let's just get started. And let's start in London. After winning the Champions League and the Super Cup, Chelsea were off to a hot start in the Premier League. By December 1st, they sat at the top of the table, a point up on City, two points up on Liverpool. And all of that changed since December hit with COVID cases spreading around the team and the team's issue with injuries that had the Blues go 3-3-1 in the month of December, while City won a perfect 7-0, gaining eight points on Chelsea in that month. And Liverpool, too, they played a solid month of football, going 4-1-1. Since the 1st of December up to the most recent league games, Chelsea have gone a disappointing 5-5-2, while the reigning league champions have gone 11-1-1, gaining 14 points on Chelsea, and Liverpool going 10-2-1, gaining 12 points on Chelsea. To put things into perspective, City went on to win 12 straight league matches since their 2-0 loss to Palace back on October 30th, and they won 15 straight games undefeated, going 14-1-0. Now, all the credit going to Southampton, who in both meetings have drawn both meetings against City. Liverpool have won 10 of the last 13, and then Chelsea, they're lacking something. Chelsea are no Man City. We know that Pep Guardiola's side are without a doubt the better team. Now, Liverpool can contest for that situation going on in London and in England, but with that being said, the games Chelsea are dropping points in, that shouldn't happen. What's happening with Chelsea? Is there a need for concern? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, because many people had them as the favourites to win the championship this year, thinking that, including yourself, Matthew. <laughs> Unbiased, of course. Uh, obviously, with uh, <laughs> Lukaku signing, that could be the, the missing piece. I think partly it's people underestimated how good City would be this year and how good Liverpool would be good this year. Right, and obviously, you know, we can talk about them later, but they've been both lights out. But Chelsea, there's something going on there. Lukaku has been the big issue, hasn't worked out. Had he been the, the Inter Milan Lukaku, I, I think it'd been a very different story, but he's being utilized differently under Tuchel. I'm not sure Tuchel actually really wanted him, you know, that much to be honest with you. We're seeing Kai Havertz now step in there and, and do a better job, it, it seems. I will say, Chelsea is world champions. <laughs> so Thank take you. that as you will. They're, they're winning something. They could win another cup on Sunday in the uh, the Football League Cup. I sure hope so. so. It's not a complete write-off, but certainly being 10 points out of second place right now. And what, right. four points out of fourth, I think, at the moment? Yeah. I think, I think you're just fine. You're going to finish top four, most likely top three this year. But yeah, it, it's a really strange one. Um, you know, what's happening there? Tuchel, on one hand, is a genius and he's going to be the greatest manager since Pet Guardiola. And then a week later, he's going to be fired. So, you know, it's always volatile at that club, as you know. Um, but I think it all kind of centers around their, their off-season transfer policy and who they targeted 
who they got and how he's underperformed. Right. That, that actually leads me to my next question. Is Chelsea just a top three team without a legitimate number nine up front? Because when I look at the way they play, especially that Lukaku, as you mentioned, they create more chances, Kai Havertz in particular. And going back to the semifinals against Real Madrid in the Champions League, I remember watching the amount of chances created, but no one was there to put it home. And all in my eyes, all I was thinking that Chelsea need exactly what Robert Lewandowski brings to Bayern. Not being biased anyway, but Lewandowski knows how to finish off plays. And when Chelsea were attacking, all in my mind I was seeing were Bayern Munich jerseys on Chelsea players. It was like watching Bayern Munich playing without Robert Lewandowski. How do you see Lukaku in his time with Chelsea up to now? Is, is that what Chelsea are missing, a legitimate number nine? Because don't get me wrong, in his first four games with Chelsea, he had four goals. But then he yeah. won 10 games without a goal. He was clutch at the World Cup, two big goals in those two games. What happened? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, this team's spent money before on, on center forwards. Timo Werner wasn't too many years ago, right. and he's been a disaster as well. So then they say, okay, that didn't work out. Let's go and spend another 100 million and get Lukaku, and it's not worked out. So at what point do we say perhaps it's not the player, it's the system you know, that, that they're being used, it's, it's the supply chain, who's getting them the ball, how they're getting them the ball. But I, I think with Lukaku, you know, I've always been a fan of this. Even at Manchester United, I don't think he was as bad as people said he was. He was okay. But you see him at Inter Milan and, and he played wider. He ran the channels more. Um, he was that more all-encompassing center forward as opposed to the big target man, which I think he's miscast at quite often at, at Chelsea. Um, he's also a guy that I think needs an arm around his shoulders. And I think it's being managed differently by, by Tuchel. Tuchel is an old school kind of manager. Like you do it my way or you're going to be on the yeah. bench. So we've seen the, the interview, the infamous interview, of course, that he gave um, a few weeks ago now, which was really misguided, but he wasn't happy there. Maybe he's trying to appease the Inter Milan fans. Maybe he's trying to send a message to his new club, which was a big mistake. But regardless, Thomas Tuchel wouldn't appreciate that or accept that. And obviously, it's a very icy, cold relationship there, whereas I think this guy needs someone to say, you know, don't worry, I'll give you a run of games, even with some poor form. So, you know, I, I'm not saying it's too late. I think you can work it out at some point. Maybe it'll be next season if he sticks around. But uh, I, I really think that Lukaku is a far better player than he's showed so far. But there's, there's more reasons than just the player himself. Right. And there's noise going around saying that Chelsea, Tuchel in particular, play a different style of football tactically, as you mentioned, uh, than Lukaku is used to or, or should be used as. And I want to ask you, do you feel that Lukaku is not being used right? Or more importantly, do you agree with those comments? Because... When I see a player earning what he's earning and outperforming, I don't, I don't care that it's not your likings. You're earning the big bucks. Yeah. You should be playing and you should be adjusted to the style of play that Chelsea. Like, what did Lukaku think before he was coming to Chelsea? Was there no communication between him and the team? Oh, Tuchel, uh, Tuchel's just going to magically change everything for Lukaku because Lukaku doesn't like it or he's not used to it. No, it's a team sport, first of all. And second of all, Chelsea won the Champions League and the Super Cup without Lukaku. They brought in Lukaku to strengthen their team. That was already a strong side. And in my eyes, I don't see it. Yeah, I think you made a great point there. And the, the word you use, adjust, is a key word. A great player, in my mind, should adjust, should adapt to his surroundings, to the tactics, and you can play different roles. He obviously has different difficulty doing that for, for whatever reason. But you're right, was it not discussed when he, when he was negotiating with Chelsea to return there? What kind of football do you play? How do you see me fitting in? Because at Inter Milan, he was dropping a lot deeper. He was playing a lot wider as well at times. He was given basically a free role, whereas at Chelsea, it's more of a defined role. Um, we, we see the game this past weekend, seven touches he had. Seven touches. 
I mean, just think about that for, for a forward attacking player, seven touches, two of which were offsides and one of which was the kickoff to start the game. <laughs> right? it's, it's crazy. Now, is that tactics or is that a player that's just disenchanted and isn't putting the effort in? You know, um, he was benched in the Champions League um, and Tuchel said, listen, he's exhausted. Um, I didn't buy that. I didn't, I didn't me, buy me it. neither. I exhausted? You had seven touches yeah. on the weekend. You should be full of energy, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's partly tactically. It's up to Tuchel as well to make that work because it's 97 million pounds he cost. Right. He's not cheap. And if they sell him this summer, they're not going to get 97 million pounds from him, I don't think. But he could go somewhere else and be a huge success again. So, you know, maybe maybe the solution is to cut your losses. It's not as if Chelsea haven't done that before with players and, and lost money and, and move in a different direction. Um, yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting. Even this offseason, right, with the owner, obviously a Russian owner, um, yeah. you wonder how that plays out as well. Uh, there's a lot of problems at Chelsea at the moment, but even with these issues, they're still the third best team in England. Right. So maybe, maybe it is a quick fix. Right. Is the title done? Is it gone now? It's not my, my, it's not my, uh, not my question to answer. We will never give up, but, uh, but I mean, if, if City keeps on winning every game, it's, it's, nobody can catch them. Uh, sticking with Chelsea, is Chelsea officially out of the conversation for winning the Premier League? Is you know, are they, are they mentally just they understand that it's it's basically top three or bust, basically? Yeah, I mean, listen, they're 13 points back at first place. Right. Um, they got a game in hand on, on both Chelsea. Say 10 points. There's 12 games left. There's no way, even if they win all their games, right? There's no way Liverpool or City are going to relinquish those many points right. the next 10 games or so, 12 games. So, uh, yeah, the, the title is, I'm sorry, Matthew. I know it pains you to hear this, but Chelsea's not going to win the Premier League this season. But, hey, they, they might find a way and get to the Champions League once again, which I think you'll probably take. I'll take that any of the week. And obviously, Sunday, there's that big game against Liverpool. So, yeah, let's hope. It's big, it's um, big if you win it. If you don't win it, it's like, eh. It's a league yeah, cup. Just a Carabao Cup, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Following Chelsea's second defeat to City this season, Tuchel was asked about whether the title race is over, and he chuckled and said that Chelsea will never give up, but if City keep on winning every game, nobody will catch them. Now, I'm going to ask you that same question. Now, keep in mind that that question was asked to Tuchel following the defeat to City back in, what was it, January 15th, somewhere mid-January? Around yeah, that time. So, obviously, yeah. the standings were far different than what they are now, but now they look different. You look at the table, Liverpool, who, as I mentioned, are on a roll. The Reds have the top three goal scorers and the top three assisters in the Prem this season. And in their last 10, they have gone 8-1-1. Only City have gone 8-1-1, really. They're the hottest teams in England. And after Wednesday's big win over Leeds, they're only three points back of City. So what's happening? Because these two sides meet again in Manchester on April 10th for what looks like to be a season-deciding game. Is the title race over? Because it may be over for Chelsea, but it's certainly far from over for Liverpool. No, it's wide open again now, isn't it? Um, it's so hard this year looking at the table because of all the COVID postponements and the games in hand, it's really hard to understand just where teams lie. And Liverpool had those games in hand and they've taken advantage. I think very they were quite quiet in their ascendancy. City were playing so well, were blowing teams out, putting this crazy run together. Meanwhile, the Reds weren't losing either. They were winning games and they slowly crept back, crept back, crept back. And they also have the goal differential edge now as well, which could be key. You know, so there's definitely a race back on. And I thought it was off. I thought it was done. I didn't see City losing a game again. Then they lost to the Spurs, right? So anything can happen still. You know, still plenty of uh, theatre left in this season. But um, three points and they play each other in April. I mean, that speaks for itself, right? It, it could potentially be 
Um, Liverpool in first place in goal differential by then. Or City could be six points up, right? It's, it's wide open. I, I think we needed right. this because it was a little bit sad when we kind of all, uh, I think most people agreed two months ago, it's done. The season's done. Let's just fight for fourth place and relegation. I mean, yeah, they're great battles. They're fun to watch, but nothing's quite like a title race. So um, right. in a perfect world, I'm a, I'm a Liverpool fan, you know that. Um, but if I remove that hat in a perfect world, they beat City in that match at the Etihad. And then we have an incredible last few weeks of the season. From one London team to another, Arsenal started the season with three consecutive losses. And since then, they have rebounded back into the fight for the top four, where they hold three games in hand of fourth place United and fifth place West Ham. I want to ask you, what's more likely to happen, Arsenal or Tottenham finishing in the top four? <laughs> or will somehow um, Manchester United hold on to that fourth spot? Yeah, I mean, all those two. What about West Ham? I and West, West Ham, Ham, exactly. Or hey, West Wolves. Ham. Wolves might be the most consistent out of all those teams. In the right. Moment. Right? Um, right. I would say that out of Arsenal and Spurs, I think Arsenal, they are more consistent than Tottenham, who just showed once again you know, <laughs> that they beat Man City. is incredible what they do in that crazy injury time. And then they lose to 19th place. And Burnley. then lose to Burnley. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the hell? I mean, it's so typically Spurs. Um, and, you know, Conte is saying all the wrong things now in the media. So, you know, I, I think Arsenal, who have been under the cosh a lot this season, I know a lot of people aren't huge fans of Mikel Arteta, the manager, which I think is really unfair, because he's got that team and he, he's grown some some real youth there, some good players coming through, and he's really put his foot down saying, this is my club now. You can't transcend or be bigger than this club. And that's why Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is no longer there. You know, a, a weaker manager would have said, well, he's got the big contract. I'm going to play him anyway, you know, no matter what he wants. And he didn't. I know that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, but uh, I think it shows strong leadership myself. And I look at that Arsenal team, it's only going to get better. They, they need to invest hugely. And this right. summer is a big one for them. Jonathan David's a name being mentioned. I'd love to see the Canadian there. I think it'd be a really good fit. Um, but yeah, I, I think Arsenal are in really good shape right now to finish top four because, as we talked about before, and you alluded to there, the game's in hand. They're kind of crazy, right? They, they played 23 right. games. Currently yeah. four plays Man United, 26 games, right? Three games, and it's just, uh, what, four points between them. So um, it's it's wide open. But, yeah, I like the Arsenal team a lot. I, I love Saka. Um, uh, uh, the, the, the kid Rowe looks incredible as well. Um, they need reinforcements, obviously, up top there. But, uh, yeah, a really solid team who could definitely finish top four. Who's the keeper that they just signed from, uh, who was in New England, from the MLS, Arsenal? I keep forgetting. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Turner, right. right. Played for the states uh, against Canada. Yeah, Just, I remember. Yeah. Right, he's he's like the new st Zach Steffen. He'll, he'll sit on the bench because <laughs> I think Ramsdale is pretty great. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, they're they're they're, they're spending money, um, not at the same levels as as the teams above them, perhaps. And they got to spend more. And I still don't really trust Stan Kroenke, you know, uh, to be honest with you. But uh, hey, it's Arsenal. They they've had their down downtime since. Uh, Finger left, but I think they've got the right man in the place now who's going to make it his club. And they're close to becoming a pretty good side. 16 clubs, eight games, the Champions League resumed, and we had some great scores. Here's a quick rundown of what happened. PSG put on a show up against Real Madrid, 22 shots, holding Real to not a single shot on target. And a last-minute winner by Mbappe spoiled the pair as faithful. In Lisbon, City destroyed Sporting by five goals to nil. Bayern was saved by Coleman's 90th-minute equalizer to head back to Munich, all square a goal apiece. Liverpool's two goals in eight minutes has them ahead 2-0 heading back home to Anfield. Champions Chelsea started their role to defending the title with a 2-0 victory themselves. 
Lahovic's first minute goal helped Juventus come out with a 1 1 draw against Villarreal. United got away with a draw against Atletico themselves, where they got outplayed in that first half big time. And Benfica came back twice to hold Ajax to a 2 2 draw. Were there any standout games for you, or even just games that you really enjoyed watching? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting with the away goals were all being gone, right? A lot of the road teams were quite. Are you in favor of it or against it? Uh, you know what? The jury's still out. You know, I'm really happy not to have to explain it to people because that happened every year. Yeah. Every match day. <laughs> um, but I mean, we saw some pretty defensive um, uh, performances. That Real Madrid PSG game was was amazing, and that Real was so so conservative. And I understand why, but it's still Real Madrid. But I actually found that game quite enjoyable. Um, even at nil nil, it was quite enjoyable. And then Mbappe scored that that beautiful goal. Um, you know, City were swashbuckling. They were fantastic. I thought the goals they scored were brilliant. Uh, Sterling's goal was fantastic. Uh, Bernardo Silva's goal off the bounce was brilliant. That's such a hard, hard goal to score. And he had four in the first half. Yeah, four in the first half. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I tell you, Chelsea, I mean, we've only spoken a lot about Chelsea, but I thought they played pretty well against Lille. That was a decent game. Um, they, they started off so well. Then they sat back for half an hour or so. Lille got back in the game. But in the end, Chelsea was a better side for sure. And it showed what they can do you know, without Lukaku. And we've got to see Jonathan David again, who I'm a big fan of, as mentioned. Um, didn't do that much, but I thought he was, he was busy. He ran a lot, you know. Um, didn't see his stock rise, but it wasn't hurt either. So I thought Chelsea were, were quite impressive. PSG and City, as we just mentioned, have dominated their opening matches, while United struggled. The Red Devils had the majority of possession in their match, but they struggled, especially in the first half, where they were sloppy with the ball and had a hard time working the ball up the field. They failed to have a single touch in Atletico's box in the opening 45 minutes. I was going to ask you what went wrong with United in this game. So you can answer that. But I want to ask you what's wrong with United as a whole? Because we've seen this week after week happening in United. They're just not good. Can we just admit that? You know, they, we shouldn't be talking about them as United because it's United. They must, they're not good. They haven't got enough quality there. And a lot of the quality that is there, there's obviously mental blocks. You know, Paul Pogba doesn't want to be there. He's always hurt. Yeah, he's world class. We know he is, but he doesn't want to be there. In comes Ralph Ragnick, you know, this football savant who hasn't done a great job. I mean, they haven't been losing games. I think just one loss in, in regulation 90 minutes in 16 games. Lots of draws in there, though, and they can't put together 90 minutes. They put together a decent 45. Against Atletico, they were fortunate, let's be honest. You know, I thought Atletico was a better team in that one in the first half, for sure, like you mentioned. Fact, like, even, even the second half, right? It's not yeah, like you they, they, they hit the bar twice, right? From yeah, like, exactly. once a bar, once a post, I think. From yeah, what I right. Yeah, disjointed, really disjointed. And Ronaldo yeah. seems to have stepped in there and not to criticize Ronaldo, but it was a wrong signing. And it's you know, last season they were scoring goals for fun, one of the top goal scorers in all of all of Europe. And then in comes arguably the greatest goal scorer of all time, and they're not nearly as, as potent going forward. So um, there's so many issues there. They need to just burn that house down and rebuild it, I think, and with the right coach, which right. I think would probably be Pochettino. Right. It seemed like, I don't know, for me, Ronaldo, when I was watching the game, the first 30 or so minutes, he was more concerned about getting a foul go his way than get a shot off. Yeah, I know. He's not happy, right? You see him out there just yeah. flailing in the air, complaining to teammates. And I know strikers are selfish and they should be selfish, but... He just doesn't seem a guy that you want to play beside, which is a shame because it's Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, he's taken apparently a lot of the young players under his wing, but there's still, from what you read, what you hear, divisions within that room. So, you know, I think it's been a, a disastrous signing. Um, let's be honest. I mean, look where they are now. They're, they're seeing could well not finish in the top four. They thought he was going to be the final piece and uh, a way to improve on last season's 
second place. But I think when you look back to last season, the other team, City aside, Liverpool had a really poor season. You know, a lot of injuries cost them. Um, you know, Chelsea weren't the same last year either, um, except for on Europe, of course. So um, United weren't as good as second place, to be honest with you. But yeah, it's just been a poor, poor season. And off the field, there's issues with Mason Greenwood, of course. Um, Marcus Rashford's having to go to social media to tell people, no, everything's fine. And when players do that, it means nothing's fine. So big issues there. But, you know, they're still in the hunt, right? I mean, they've still got a 1-1 against Atletico Madrid. I think they would have taken that before the 90 minutes, but the performance, once again, wasn't that strong. And when you listen to, I listened to uh, Paul Scholes and Rio Ferdinand, two legends who now are in the broadcast world, and, and they're just so disenchanted talking about this team. And they came from a United that was the best team in world football. They were incredible under Sir Alex Ferguson. And they watched this team since then just get worse and worse and worse. And just hearing those guys talk, they're just miserable. <laughs> they're not happy at all. They can't find a, a positive thing to talk about, right? So... Yeah, big issues there. You know, there's got to be a, a rebuild. It's got to be the right person. You know, next summer, this summer is going to be a, a huge, huge summer for them. If you were to choose the four semifinalists now, who would they be? Um, so P- I put PSG there. I think there's issues there, of course, but it's still with that attack and um, they squeaked against Real Madrid. So I put PSG there. City, obviously, are, are going to sneak through to the quarters and then we'll see what draw they get, of course. Um, Liverpool. I would say, and then it's going to be a Chelsea or a Bayern, I would think. Yeah, it's hard to say, you know, because the draw, the next draw will be obviously right. so important. But uh, the, the standout team so far have been City and I would say Liverpool thus far. They, I think they are the favourites, actually, the one-two favourites. Um, but they, maybe PSG at the most approved. Right, as much as, you know, as much as I want Chelsea to go back-to-back, I just can't see it. Um, for my four, I got PSG, City, Liverpool and Bayern, similar to you. Uh, you, you did include Chelsea in there. So who knows how they square up in the next round. Uh, hopefully maybe one of them will be out and Chelsea can get something going their way like they did with Lil. Because uh, from what I remember, they could have drawn up against uh, Bayern, if I'm not mistaken, um, for the round of 16. Yeah, yeah, so they got a bit fortunate there. Very fortunate. Um, yeah. yeah, so back in September was happy days. Not so much, uh, not so much right now. Uh, but, uh, but I must say last season, a lot of people under, underestimated the Blues and um, look what happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Look, uh, hey, cup football, right? Cup football. Anything really can happen. There's a reason why they play the games, and now you, you don't. You just don't debate on on the internet. <laughs> you, you, you watch hockey. Obviously, you're a big hockey guy, you know, and you see how a goaltender can win a win a championship with a strong playoff run, right? It's kind of similar to that. You need more than a goalkeeper, of course, in, in football, but you know the form book kind of goes out the window. Right. So we're gonna play a game now. And I'll ask you a series of scenarios and you answer the probability of them happening. It can be 0%, 25%, 50%, 75%, 100%, or you just gave your own custom percentage. Whatever goes your way. Sound cool? Yeah, sounds good. All right. Number one, West Ham finished in the top four. What are the chances of that happening? I really hope it happens. But I would think, given the inconsistency, I would say 25%. I don't think they've got the depth to, to maintain consistency. That's the issue. So you're saying there's a chance? Oh, there's a chance. There's definitely. Listen, my mate's Craig Forrest. I had to say that. Right. Yeah, insert insert that. Uh, where's that meme coming from? Well, um, what's, where's that meme that comes from? So you're saying there's a chance. Where, where's that movie? What's that movie? Yeah, you're, you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, yeah you, know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course. What yeah, movie is so that? You're saying there's a chance, but I forget where it's from. Was it Dumb and Dumber? No. I don't know. I mean, I mean, ask me the next one. I'll look it up. All right. Um, Spanish journalist Raymond Alvarez reports that Real are in talks with loaning 
Eden Hazard to Chelsea. And regardless of how credible and accurate this information is, what are the odds that Hazard makes a return to London, whether it's this summer or any time really in the future? Like to Chelsea? Yeah, to Chelsea. Oh, man. I think sometimes you've got to say, you know what, the ex was a good girlfriend for a while, but she's the ex for a reason. <laughs> she, she, left, she left me for what she thought was a, a better version of myself, and it didn't pan out that that right. guy was yeah so it's time no he he hasn't made the the, the, the level of, of real madrid he's not fit he doesn't seem to have that desire i think uh it'd be going backwards in time so i'd say that would be uh i'd say zero percent gotcha tottenham handed city just their third loss of the season but lost wednesday to 19th place burnley how much of a chance did the spurs have in finishing in the top five top five um, oh, I'd say there's still 50% chance in top five. They still have Harry Kane, who's playing great football again. They still have Antonio Conte, who's, you know, regardless of his volatility, is a great manager. And given how the teams around them are like kind of falling by the wayside, I'd, I'd say, yeah, 50% chance they'll be top five. Yeah. And they still. Dumber, dumber, by the way. That's where it came it from. It was Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and keep in mind that the Spurs do still have two games in hand on both United and West Ham and one in yeah. Arsenal. So it's wide open. Uh, sticking with Tottenham, Antonio Conte following the loss set in Tottenham coaches change, but players are always the same and the results don't change. This comment comes after the Spurs dropped their fourth match in five games. What are the chances of big changes coming to North London? Oh, I'd say 100%. Big changes this summer. Something's going to happen. Harry Kane could well leave. Um, and so could Antonio Conte. So if Kane leaves and Conte leaves, I'd consider that big change. So 100%, something's got to happen there. Because they can't, well, we keep saying this, we've been saying for years, they can't keep doing this, but they are. So, yeah, I'd say 100% chance. And just for fun, Canada officially qualifies for the FIFA World Cup next month. What are the odds? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's impossible they won't. Put it that way. Come on now. Just say 100. All right, 100. <laughs> there you go. I get to hear that because it's great, regardless of when, but Canada will be there. Uh, there's a good chance I'll be at BMO Field when Canada takes on Jamaica. That that just depends on how friendly my wallet will be. But for sure, I definitely want to be live. Uh, were you, are you going to be at the game by any chance? I'll be there. Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. Yeah, you, that's a game you, have, you know, it's going to be you know whether they qualify um, the game before in Costa Rica or not, it's going to be a great party at BMO Field. A celebration, thirty odd years, thirty five odd years in the making. So uh, right. yeah. So I'll probably have to invest in that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, thanks, James, so much for coming on today. It's, uh, it's been great having you back on. It's always a pleasure, and uh, we'll definitely have you back soon. Matthew, thanks, mate. I really enjoyed that. To stay up to date with all the show's content, I'll have the links provided in the description below, along with James's. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, it's great to be back.